Today we're talking with Elke Detmer, the owner of Points East Guesthouse in Pooch Cove and one of the pioneers in the development of the East Coast Trail. The East Coast Trail project was started in 1994 by a group of volunteers. It's now over 300 kilometers long and is made up of 26 linked trails that pass through more than 30 communities on the Avalon Peninsula. The trail runs from Topsail Beach north to Cape St. Francis, then turns through St. John's and continues south as far as Capahaden. It's maintained by the East Coast Trail Association and located primarily on public lands. It was named one of the best adventure destinations by National Geographic in 2012 and is extended and improved yearly. I think one of the things I want to know is, um, you know, your story is really interesting and the fact that you came here and saw a need for a trail system is one of the things I think is, is really intriguing because it's one of the things people have enjoyed this summer almost more than anything is yes, being at the trails. And that's finally locals have discovered it. Like this is what bothered me for the longest time. No locals had discovered it really. Right, so. I, I give you the whole story then. Um, mm. Well, I, I came here to get my PhD in folklore. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was fine, but uh, yeah, I mean, by that time, by the end, uh, by 92, when I got my PhD, I had moved out here to Pooch Cove and, uh, in 89, and uh, I would wake up in the morning here with the boats going out. Mm -hmm. There was a cot trap right in front, and uh, it was just so wonderful. You wake up with the sound of the motors, and uh, you watch the men uh, looking at the fish at the cot trap. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then suddenly it was over in 92. Right. Yeah, and it was such a shock. Uh, my own background is from Northern Germany, and my family was fishing. And they had, uh, my grandparents had a fish business, and uh, we ended up after the war, I, my family, my father and mother had become refugees. Mm. Uh, we ended up at my grandmother's place in, uh, at the Danish border, and my mother was going back to work in the fish business as she had done all her life until she got married. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I grew up with that. In my childhood, you know, I had already seen that happen and suddenly it happened here, except here it was such a monopoly really, you know. Yeah. And uh, well, this actually uh, made me an activist, I must say, you know. I was living here, I thought, okay, I want to make this my home. I want to participate in, you know, helping to make a maybe a future here uh, without or with this uh, much smaller fishery. Mm -hmm. And I had already gone back to Germany, like my home of course was Germany. I left when I was 19 and I went all over the place. I was in, in uh, Scotland first and then I spent time in Switzerland and then I spent time in California. Mm. Each of these places were great for hiking. Like I lived in San Francisco for a long time and we yeah. went backpacking in Yosemite and uh, skiing Beautiful. at Lake Tahoe and so I was aware of all these possibilities and uh, living here uh, even my old neighbor had kept saying hiking hiking what's that nothing like but he was in the woods every day <laughs> he would yeah. pick berries he would uh, cut wood and he would I knew he really enjoyed being in the woods but mm -hmm. he wouldn't call it hiking right it was productive in some way you know because people had no leisure here, so how could you think of hiking? You know? right. It was a hard uh, life here. You had to work hard yeah. to survive. And uh, anyway, and we are like the pampered, right? Yeah. You can do that. You have a job and uh, and whatever, and a business, and then you take your time off, and that's when you hike, and, and that's your vacation. A different different thing completely. Mm -hmm. you know? But I was aware of it, and uh, on my first trips back to Germany, 
I was so delighted with being here and uh, they had encouraged me uh, at the university to go all around Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. So my first summers here were fantastic. I was going, uh, and they actually specially invited me to go up to uh, the Northern Peninsula. Oh, okay. And uh, because nobody had done much work in terms of folklore up there, so I, I totally fell in love with conch with this whole area around uh, Gosmorn mm -hmm. and the Port of Port Peninsula, and I spent time in those areas, and uh, took lots of pictures at the time, and uh, went back to Germany. Uh, at that time, my father was unfortunately sick with Parkinson's, so I was going back, working on my thesis at the same time, but helping my mother take care of him and. Uh, I always had time enough for doing some slight talks, and there were kind of outdoor kind of businesses and, and uh, associations that liked that. So I was giving uh, slight talks in the nearby, in Kiel, for example, that was a fairly big town, and I think in Hamburg I did it one time. And, and everybody said, oh wow, you know, how would you get to Newfoundland? It's such a great, you know, it looks mm -hmm. so beautiful, and I was so enthusiastic, of course. You know? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, then I came back here, and I was uh, still in the 80s, and uh, I realized that, uh, you know, they had a fairly big tourism department, and I would go in there, so well, we should really uh, advertise Newfoundland in, in Germany, you know, because um, Germans, that's the kind of thing they like. Yeah. You know, this is pure nature, and, and really, I mean, in Germany, everything you go hiking, you have 100 people, and here, you don't see anybody, you know, and uh, it's just such, such a great place. So. Anyway, they were telling me, oh no, we have no interest in the German market. Oh. And they did that several times in a row, and I couldn't believe it. So I finally it was on my own, uh, and next time in Germany, I went to the biggest fairs, like the one in Berlin, it's worldwide the biggest. And I met up with people that were sort of my kind of people, and they were, were actually Gruppe um, Neues Reisen. It was a group uh, working against mass tourism and promoting other. Uh, yeah, as a possible tours, ecotourism, yes. eco basically, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't hurt uh, the country that you go to, but actually benefits it. Mm. And the money would stay right in the country, and, and that stayed with me. I really liked that idea, and uh, I managed to do a couple of first tours with something called Nat uh, Naturfreunde, okay. Friends of Nature. Oh, and that's, that's cool. an older association in Germany, and it was usually a working class association. People would go, for example, to Switzerland and stay in the Alpine huts, and I had done that when I lived in Switzerland. Right. And uh, here, of course, we didn't have any huts, but uh, I brought over at least one group and uh, had included a journalist, a travel writer. Right. And that was uh, kind of a success, but it was a, oh yeah, it was really, uh, what do you call it? Initiation by, by yeah. fire, uh, yeah, I had uh, arranged for a bus, like kind of a small van kind of bus, uh, to take us and, uh, you know, had done that six months earlier mm -hmm. and by the time the travel rider came two days earlier, uh, there was no bus. Right. I went back to the companies that were versus and they hadn't taken me seriously. Oh. I had to get one from Ontario. By the time the people came, we managed to get a bus here, right? Then uh, one of the first places to go to was Cape St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, asked them, do you have a guide so we can hike from Cape St. Mary's to uh, Portlands, which is mm -hmm. a, oh, yeah. a tricky hike. It is. Tricky. It's yeah. uh, close to the rocks always. You're okay. Uh, we got down there, it was completely foggy. Oh. <laughs> so three days in a row fog, or two days in a row fog. 
And then I asked my where's the guide? Oh, oh, uh, oh, he just broke his leg. <laughs> I knew they didn't have a guide. Uh, yeah. They just didn't tell me. They, nobody had told me no. They all said yes. Of course, and yeah. So I was in, really, I had nightmares by that time. <laughs> um, okay, so the next stop was uh, North Harbor, and we were, I had ordered my, asked to have a boat to take us to King's Cove, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty far out in Placentra Bay. And a uh, wonderful guy, Dave Sleet, I think was his name. Anyway, uh, too foggy still. Couldn't go anywhere. Jeez. And we ha were supposed to stay in this cabin, and then it turned out to be a really, really good experience. So anyway, uh, it, it was difficult in the beginning, but yeah. by the time we hit Grossmont, it was sunny and everybody was happy. That's right. Well, and it ended up a good trip. You know. When did you start Points East? Was well, that, that was a, kind of the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I had a big enough house, I didn't know what to do with it. Yes. And uh, I thought of it, maybe it should be a hostel, but nobody was trying to get hostels coming here. And mm -hmm. then I had uh, another contact in Berlin, and it was called Frauen unterwegs, women traveling together. Oh. Okay, but that was already after we had started the East Coast Trail. Right. We started that in 94. We'll be right back with Elke Detmer, right after this break. So I read that there was about 80 volunteers total that got about 25 kilometers going and then, is that uh, accurate? It's sort of almost the right story. Uh, yeah, one of my old friends from, I lived in St. John's for seven years, and one of my old friends was Peter Gard. <laughs> and uh, we went into each other, and that was after I had started uh, working for the Economic Recovery Commission. I worked on an uh, adventure tourism strategy there. And I also worked, uh, yeah, later on as a volunteer. I was involved in economic recovery in this area. Right. And we couldn't get anybody to come up with any new ideas. Mm. But I had a little group here in uh, Puchko, Flat Rock, and uh, Bolin. We were getting together and uh, started a little newspaper, trying to influence people, like, you know, what else can we do now? Just getting a bit more courage and all. And uh, nobody came up with ideas. Then I ran into Peter Gard. And his dream was to create an East Coast Trail, like uh, along the coast here. Mm. And uh, it just clicked, you know, just really clicked. So I invited him to give us a talk, our little group here. And we had eventually about 20 people going to a slide talk that he gave about different trails that he had to hide yes. all over the place. And uh, the next weekend we started. It was people I knew mostly and uh, and Peter Gard, and then his own friends, and then more and more came together. And uh, we would go on weekends at the time, you know, and uh, bushwhack, and we had a lot of fun. It did quite a bit of socializing. For three years, it was a fun thing to do. You know, and, and I think we were creating some stuff already, you know. And then it became, of course, uh, the government started giving us money, which is not, not that they gave it to us, we had to apply and all, right. you know, and I, I'm not good at that at all. Uh, I cannot really deal with bureaucrats, but uh, with this visionary kind of thing, I'm, I'm okay, you know. Yeah. So I'm very proud of what we did. And of course we started up here, but there was no uh, money up here for a while, because uh, all the uh, support money went to south of St. John's, because that was rural. Right. We were classified as urban along right. with St. John's. Right. So our money came much later to create a professional trail here. but. We still had all sorts of, uh, we still hiked here, you know, mm -hmm. and I started 
Okay, again, I kept, uh, I uh, represented the East Coast Trail in Germany on a little ecotourism fair, which is again part of my earlier contacts yes. that I had in Berlin with the Gruppe Neues Reisen. And it was really fun. And I'm still, some of the contacts I still work with now. Right. And uh, they sent us people from Germany. And the Germans are usually the most uh, excited and, and love this here, you know? Well, there's, there's a reason. It's gorgeous. We're, we're on the cliff overlooking the ocean right now. You've got your gardens. Your trail yeah, is, is right and, down there. Uh, of course, for me, this is so normal now. Does anybody live any differently? You know, this is how everybody should live. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I guess you had a choice to come here as well. And uh, you said you chose, you had a choice between living in the U.S. and living in Newfoundland. Uh, yeah, no, that had to be one of, the, one of the reasons. Yeah, and one of, one of the reasons is also that it was part of my heritage. You know, right. I grew up with the idea that my family had been fishing. And my mother came here and uh, she said, this is like my childhood. Because mm. there was still fish here the first time she came, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. That's great. So I was, uh, you know, pretty close to, yeah, this is, this is what I really wanted, I guess, you know. And it's in the middle, in between California and Germany. I always thought I'm not quite Californian, I'm not quite German, and I'm, now I'm in the middle, you know, right yeah. in the middle. That's great. Well, you've, uh, you, you know, being one of the founders of the East Coast Trail, one of the things I think people have realized this summer is, is the trail system. Mm -hmm. You know, so I've been on hikes that you probably helped create. Um, if uh, undoubtedly, uh, like down in Flat Rock, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what do you think that, what do you think is sort of occurring locally when it comes to their awareness? It's getting better. Uh, well, my hope in the beginning was that the the communities would buy in immediately, and they didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, because it was such a strange concept. Now, who wants to come here? First of all, there was also this almost inferiority complex. Uh, what do we have here? Even the tourism department had right. that. You know, who wants to come here and look at that? You know, where are the amusement parks? We need a Disneyland mm. here or something. You right, know? right. They didn't quite realize that this is exactly what people wanted, you know. So I was trying forever and ever to promote that. You know, say, let's, let's keep it small, you know. Let's use the local cabins. Let's use the local people. And uh, the very first night I spent in Newfoundland, I was a very small hospitality home in Boyd's Cove. Mm. And uh, nicest people you can imagine and a really great experience. They had to close down the next year because right. it wasn't fine enough. You know, they didn't have the right shower. The, you know, that all this kind of stuff. Uh, that is really. It seemed important because I think they were really geared towards Americans to right. come here. Right. But uh, if you're from Germany, I mean, I've had uh, people that obviously had money come here and they just really can handle well, pretty has, simple stuff. You there know? has been a nice shift where people are looking for more authentic. Yes, as opposed exactly. to some fancy designer. Faucet, like you said, or in a, in a bathroom. Um, do you think it's, um, during the pandemic, people were looking for stress relief and on mm. the health side of things, um, I, personally, I don't find it surprising that people would migrate outside and start to <laughs> explore the trails for the first time. Do you think that there is something with when it comes to like the stress relief aspect of it and being by the ocean? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, and we are so lucky here, too. I mean... Uh, being cooped into a small apartment in, in a big city would be horrible, you know, mm. but here we can go outside. Yeah. I mean, we have lots of space. Having space is such a luxury, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've lived in yeah, San Francisco, which is wonderful, but there is no space in a sense, you know, not yeah. like here. You have to drive an hour at least yeah, to, get to get to somewhere. Yeah, you have to get out, you know, go yeah. to Yosemite, five hours to drive, you yeah. know, Tahoe maybe four hours, you know. Here you are right there, you know. 
and somebody owns all the land, so you gotta you can't even walk half the time because somebody owns it. And here you can walk for well, yeah. three hundred and thirty-six kilometers. That's of East what Coast they Australia. say now. Yeah, yeah. Wow. we were we were aiming for more, but I think there's plenty actually. But uh, going around the corner, yeah, around Cape St. Francis and on the other side, I was surprised we were doing that, but uh, you know, fine. Yeah. And the government is now supporting it, which right. is fine. Now, the one thing that I am hoping for is that we will be protected for the future. Well, that's the thing. Okay, I was going to ask you about that because um, the trail isn't owned by anybody. It is no. protected by volunteers, right? Uh, we are trying to. And, of course, what we were finding in the beginning, we were trying to find the old uh, trails and uh, maybe get them a little bit closer to the views. Right. Because the views were not important to people at the time. You know? right. But uh, to use what there was already and maybe just improve it or change a little bit. And I think there should be a right that these old trails are, you know, kept up mm -hmm. and, and uh, for the future. But, yeah, I mean, we had to deal with town councils and private properties. And, I mean, there are a lot of communities. Mm -hmm. Some of them are kind of like dead communities now. But yeah. still, you know, there are a lot of uh, communities with people in them. And people have discovered that the view is, is actually valuable. You yes. know, you get more money for a piece of land with a view. Mm -hmm. uh, and we started the trail at the right time, and it was quite depressed in '94. People were leaving. Yes. You know, they were not coming in, and but then the oil boom changed a lot. Did yeah. 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 So because suddenly there was more money, and uh, Alberta, you know, people came back with money and immediately wanted to put a house up. And they had more time for recreation. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is there's infrastructure changes, like, for example, there was apparently a three-ton rock in the way at the spout that oh, they that removed. Oh, that was a great, yeah, right. that was so a great thing. Yeah. What happened there? Because that the spout oh. is the hike for a lot of people on the East Coast Trail. It's yeah, not the it, only it one, gets, but it's definitely one of the most prestigious. It gets advertised a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, uh, there was, the spout was uh, a landmark for fishermen for a long time, and then a rock came in and, and, and it didn't come back. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, actually, I remember Nigel, uh, don't remember his last name now, was an engineer for the uh, Hibernia. Mm -hmm. He came from Scotland. And he was a really loved to hike. And I actually hiked with him on this bound hike one time. Uh, and he helped us rig up something to get that rock out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a really good thing we did. And, and then people said, oh, yeah, you know, this, this bound is happening again. You yeah. Know? Yeah, of course, by then the fishing was no longer there. But it was a landmark that the fishermen used to, okay, oh. this is how you get back. To okay. the harbor, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't yeah, think about yeah. it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. It was an old landmark, actually, you know, that had disappeared. And uh, we recreated it. The other thing we recreated was that hanging bridge in La Marche. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And when we opened that, um, I was actually organizing the opening. Uh, the people who had lived in La Marche had to move away when their old bridge uh, had been destroyed by a storm. Mm -hmm. And uh, they lived somewhere else then. And uh, we found a few of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, when we had our opening celebration, that was early June, because we always have the fundraiser now, early June, uh, right. the International Day of the Hike or whatever it right. is. Uh, they had uh, a few stands with old pictures, you know, and they were the first ones to walk over. Oh, nice. So it was really nice. And some of their descendants were like young people who played music. They were playing music all over, you know, so I, I was really happy to see that. I mean, it's amazing that it goes all the way down to Kappa Hayden now. That's a long yeah, ways away. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's, a, that's quite the drive. Um, I think sometimes people are, I've seen a lot of people on the trail, I hike a lot myself, and mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people, I, I think it's one of their, it's one of their first summers hiking, mm -hmm. um, just 
for people that are thinking about taking it up, is there anything they should know? Like, should they be intimidated by it? Is there ways to start off easy and then get into it a little bit more advanced? Well, what I, what I do with my hikers when they come here, mm -hmm. like, and like I said, they come from all over the world, but mostly from Canada, mm -hmm. like mostly from Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, you know, sometimes from Nova Scotia. But mm -hmm. uh, I really give them a test usually. My test hike is from here to Cape St. Francis. It's called moderate. Mm -hmm. It's not too easy, it's not too uh, too difficult. Mm -hmm. And you can come back on the dirt road. Right. So, so far everybody has managed to get to Cape St. Francis and come back on the dirt road. Uh, some people, it was not enough, they wanted to do more. And now that we have, uh, you know, another option, you can go on to Cooper Cove. Like, it's, it's really nice, it has options. Mm -hmm. And uh, others were saying, oh no, this is a bit much. So I know the next few days, some people, you know, are like a forty a four hour hike is, is good for a day. Yeah. And others want to do more. I think one guy from New Zealand, I think, really tall guy, I mean I had to double all the distances because mm -hmm. he was such a good hiker and fast. So, you know, I'm playing it by ear, but with my own guests I'm careful mm -hmm. the first days because I don't know how good they are yeah. or how fit. Yes. And uh, now this is not the uh, cheapest uh, program our hiking program yes. I, which I ran with a few partners. Uh, you can hike the whole trail in about 12 days, three or four days at my place and three or four days in the middle and three or four days in the end. Yeah. And we make sure that they can hike all the major hikes. We usually attract people that are over 50, mm -hmm. have more money, more time and don't want to camp out. Right. Which is my kind because I used to comfy. backpack but I'm no longer doing that. So uh, yeah, so these people, you know, I want to be sure that they are fit enough. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely wonderful sometimes what you see, you know. It allows them to keep their gear at a, at a centralized oh, yeah. location instead of yeah. taking a backpack the whole way. Yeah, they, they do a day pack. I mean, we kind of drop them off where they start the hike and yeah. then they call and, and we pick them up. Yeah. And so when somebody goes out for a hike, if they're going to go and try and venture out on their own, should they be, what should they be bringing for supplies just in case? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to, uh, yeah. to ask, but I mean, yeah, the basics, of course, take some water. And here, from now on, I also kind of, if people hike Cape St. Francis and then the other side, take lots of water, because mm. there's even no water up at Cape St. Francis, right. you know, so you do that, of course, and you have your basic layers, you know, if it's a nice hot day, I mean, you can layer up later because you can never know the weather changes so fast <laughs> here, you know. Yeah. Really, you have to carry all that. Yeah. But, yeah, most people have a cell phone these days, yeah. you know, and then it, it, now it's, you can almost always get the cell phone going, you know. Yeah. In the beginning, it wasn't so easy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, it's definitely evolved and it's a thing now. I mean, you can go get your oh, yeah. professionally printed East Coast trail maps. You can look at your hike beforehand, you know, exactly. the elevations and yeah. where the, the rest of The maps are actually uh, really good, you know. Yeah. So the first set of maps was pretty amazing, yeah. Oh, it's a nice little it's a nice little challenge to try things you haven't done before and you can mm -hmm. have a really good idea of what you're getting into before you start. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes you feel safer, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I am still pretty careful with, you know, when I don't know the people, how fit they are, then mm -hmm. I'm trying to be careful yeah. about what to advise, you know. Are the, are the trails open all year round? Could people access mm -hmm. them? As far as I know, we still have, yeah, I mean, it's obviously the weather dependent a bit, you know, but we were hiking through the winters at times here, mm -hmm. early on. I don't recommend uh, hiking when it's icy. Mm. I remember like hiking up to Cape St. Francis one time as a bunch of people and uh, really icy and one woman slipped and really hit herself and uh, it's close to the cliffs often, you know? Yeah, right. You do not want to jeopardize And rocky, that. icy yeah, rocks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So ice is, that's where I, you know, do not recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah snowshoes on a more flat trail maybe. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, what are your favorite hikes? Oh, the one between Flat Rock and Hines is very, very nice. Has lots of good features. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm partial to this. I used to be custodian up here, so Cripple Cove was my favorite. I was on the first hike when we rediscovered Cripple Cove. I've never been to that. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. And that's just north of here? Yeah, and it's over on the other side. So you, you see the Conception Bay side, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, I was so excited about it. Um, I took a bunch of my women friends there and we, uh, you know, backpacked into it. and. Had a wonderful time there. How long is that one? Well, you can go off. Uh, it's now part of the real East Coast Trail, but at one time it was kind of a side trip, you know? Mm -hmm. But now it's integrated. When you come from uh, Porto Cove up to Cape St. Francis, it's part of that. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, But there are access roads that you can get, like a fairly steep access road. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. I really remember that very fondly. Yeah. You said it before, a lot of people. Um, choose to be in accommodations or some people camp can you camp along the way and are there different uh, guest houses like obviously you you've got guest yeah houses. I, I was trying to uh, I mean, obviously there's lots of B&B's now which mm -hmm. are in cabins you know um, now we our program includes you know especially since people come from far away sometimes uh, we do everything mm -hmm. pick them up from the airport you know drop them off at the airport at the end if they want to uh, yeah they get three meals a day so it's really a full day, you know, like right. in the morning we say I have breakfast with them at 8 o'clock mm -hmm. then we decide where do you want to hike today and it's like we as hosts really recommend like this is a bad, a rainy day, why don't you hike from Flat Rock to Torbay for right. example. Right. That's a good day for, you know, I mean it's not a huge hike, it's easy, yeah. it's nice but it's, you know, on a rainy day that's still okay, you know. Yeah. But wait for like Flat Rock to here, wait for a really nice sunny day if possible, yes. you know. Yeah. So, I try to pick the best day for that longer hike, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So in the morning you decide. Then I drive some. Let's see, at nine o'clock they're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and if they do Cape St. Francis, they can hike from here. But if they go, you know, for you know Torbay, whatever Torbay to Flat Rock, I drop them off, and then we set up. I show them where we can meet again mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a sort of a system, you know, there's friends of mine in Flat Rock where they could sit in the garden and oh, call nice. me and, and often enough they don't want to come with me when I go there because they're such nice people and they <laughs> maybe open a bottle of wine or something you know, and they, they're talking, you know. Sounds rough. So they, they get to get to know a few local people that way too, you know. Good. Yeah. Good. I like that. that. That's part of the charm, I think, is that uh, you get a chance to have Newfoundland hospitality, which is great. Yes, of course. And well, each one of us is very different. My partners are so different, you know. Yeah. Well, that's another thing about Newfoundland is the wildlife. What does what are some of the things people see? I guess it's time. It depends on the time of year. Yes, of course. You missed our last week was full of whales here. You know, there were whales all the time, mm. and I used to have like some special things happening. Uh, not just with my own uh, guests, but uh, groups came. A group came regularly from uh, Switzerland, mm. and uh, probably uh, like a small group, eight to ten people usually, and. Uh, the uh, leader would ask me, can you arrange something? And I, I really used to love that. Usually I had John Lee and one of his students here, the mm -hmm. whale experts, and uh, they would bring whale bones and, and like an outline of a whale, and we put it all out here. Wow. And I would pref you know, kind of make coffee, tea, and some cake. Yeah. And we would have an afternoon thing where we were looking out on the water, getting the talk about the Whale Research Institute, like what kind of uh, measures they take to keep the whales from the nets at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
And it was really great. I mean, that, that was a good experience usually, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to do these special events. So once in a while, I had the Sierra Club here a few times. Uh, okay. I was part of the yeah member of the Sierra Club in California. Okay. And one of my old friends brings or used to bring the Sierra Club here. Uh, usually twice, uh, one group would come to help uh, with the trail, mm -hmm. trail maintenance and trail whatever, for one week, and the next group would just come for hiking. Right. So and they would always spend one afternoon here. And again, I would make, you know, we had picnic tables out here, we would make uh, coffee and cakes and uh, then dis usually discuss the East Coast Trail, yeah. you know, what we were having in mind and I would invite people to come and talk to us, like Randy Murphy or, you know, whoever was in charge, you know. Sierra Club is uh, is like outdoor enthusiast type yeah, club for those was, people there. Have you heard of the Sierra Club? I have heard of it, but I probably... In Canada, it's not so uh, important, but it was uh, the first one of those clubs that uh, was formed in Yosemite mm -hmm. by John Muir, and it has had a very good reputation for, uh, you know, kind of an outdoors club and uh, also for trying to keep the nature intact, you know, mm. preventing uh, damage. and, and they have service trips all over the world, so mm -hmm. this became one of the service trips here. Right, with well, the East Coast Trail. So, what's the vision for here? Because I think about a place like the El Camino or the Inca Trail, and some of these places are just destinations for all over the world. But I feel like the East Coast Trail is comparable in a lot of ways to some of these oh, other yeah. hikes. I mean, so, I've had people here that, that have hiked all over the world and said this is one of the best. Let's talk about you and your and your you know sort of philosophy towards it. Like, you're obviously very healthy, um, and you're very active. Um, is that why you got into it for a form of exercise, or was it because you found it stress relief, or, or just enjoyed, or what? What is it? No, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's my own life, really. Uh, I grew up in a flat area, mm -hmm. and I was reading a lot as a kid. I wasn't really an outdoors person at all. And then I ended up in Scotland um, at age nineteen, and I was working in a, a castle that had been picked up by a holiday association mm -hmm. and that was my first experience and I, I think it stuck with me. Uh, this association uh, picked up about 40 manors and castles that were falling down basically and fixed them up to some degree mm -hmm. and members could spend their vacations there and this little castle in Scotland, it's just absolutely gorgeous, uh, I thought it was great. Anyway, uh, maybe 60 people would come for one week or two week trips uh -huh. and they would have a bus in the morning yeah. And uh, now we were working hard, I was there as a, there were other students too, we were like, you know, serving breakfast and washing the dishes by hand and, and <laughs> making up beds and whatever, it was hard. But on our days off we could join them. Yes. And uh, so if you take the bus, you went to one really nice area in Scotland, you know, yeah. maybe a few hours of, of driving. Yeah. And there usually was an A, B and C hike, yeah. an easy, medium and difficult. Yeah. And you would meet again at the bus in uh, towards the evening. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was a really good, uh, it's still going apparently, it's called CHA, uh, Holiday Association of some sort. And uh, so I was there for six months and I discovered that I like to be outdoors and like to hike and I had never done that really, you know. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I, uh, that was when I did my English and then I wanted to do French, I ended up in Switzerland mm -hmm. and I stayed on for more than I wanted to, to in the beginning, but it was just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I was just in the mountains a lot, you know, <laughs> yeah. And that, I, and what I remember of Switzerland is the mountains. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when I, in California, I lived for so long in California, but what I remember most is my backpacking trips. Right. I mean, they were just so important to me, you know. Yeah. 
there's some beautiful country there. I, I, I went to Scotland. I banged a Monroe the first time, and uh, there's a big hiking culture up there. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I was up to Loch Nagar and uh, and uh, did a did a full day hike up through there, and went up to the snow cap and. But um, that's a huge thing. And then California, if you were north of San Francisco, Pacifica region yeah. and all that area, Lindemar and places yeah, like that. Yeah, I had that. a bunch of friends at the time, and yeah. we would just pick a goal. Okay, let's go up there. And let's go. But mostly it was Yosemite and, and the area around Lake Tahoe. Right. And sometimes you would just rent a cabin somewhere at Lake Tahoe and stand and spend a few days, you know. Right. And did cross-country skiing. I didn't do any downhill there, you know. Right. But cross-country was beautiful. And we've got some amazing cross-country here, too. Yes, I mean, the trails are all here. Being yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely, you know. So, I mean, all this fit in. And uh, just what I liked, you know. And yeah. I discovered that, you know, after I left Germany, basically, mm -hmm. you know. There's probably a lot of people that are discovering that for themselves this summer. Yes, and I think it's a great thing. Like, you know, what better vacation is, is there than, than being outside? It's just such a part of our culture here, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's one of the things too, if we get to the health side of things, this, uh, this, the stress relief of it all, I don't think that uh, there's been some research that shows that being out in nature is so random that you forget where you are, you're paying attention to everything because mm -hmm. everything is different as opposed to being on a track somewhere that's the same. Oh yeah. You know, I, and I think that there's some big health benefits when it comes to stress relief for people. Yeah, Do you find that people? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And, uh, you know, just look out at the ocean here. Mm. I mean, it's every day is different, you know? Yeah. And you don't feel hooked in at all because it's it's open. You, you look at that. I've had uh, people here, like, I, I was thinking of this as a possible healing center as well because uh, I remember when I first thought about that, it was a nurse coming from Berlin, Berlin, right? And uh, she was completely stressed out. Mm. And about two weeks later, I just looked 10 years younger, totally relaxed, you know, happy, you know. And I said, oh, okay, you know, this is, and I'm, because I'm so used to it, I don't see it for myself now, you know. But I've had people here who spent maybe a month even in that little building there. Yes. And, yeah. uh, and just were happy like anything, you know. Oh, it's the best view Coming ever. from any city in, in, in Germany, you know. Now, Germany is just because I grew up there. It's yeah, there. I still have old friends there, right? Yeah. So that is a bit my uh, my uh, own sample, but uh, from anywhere else, from big cities, it would be such a relief, you know. Well, we can we can literally go five minutes and be at the ocean, and you can see it from on almost anywhere. Yeah. On the Avalon, so. Yeah, of course. I mean, Newfoundland was really people around the oceans, and uh, you know, not. I mean, there was nothing as at the time, and when they first came, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And those hiking trails connected communities. They were yes, just yes walking and highways. Yeah, the one between uh, Puchkov and Flat Rock definitely existed, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, we did improve it a bit and yeah. put a bridge in where you had to jump over this waterfall. I mean, it was a bit too scary for me, you know. <laughs> There's this big waterfall and you had to kind of try to catch the right rocks, you know. It's good to have a... The bridges that we put in, I think, were quite a nice, nice oh, job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you go for a hike now and you see, oh, somebody put a new stair, stair yeah, thing in here or yeah. there's a couple new uh, uh, beams here on this uh, on this little bridge and uh, those that makes it kind of fun too when you see people mm -hmm. that are either like, how are they fixing this up and how did they move rocks and how did they build, get logs out here? It, it's an amazing... It's an uh, amazing job. Yeah. It is. And it takes, it's all volunteer, right? No. No, no it's also, uh, we have a paid team, you know, so oh. we have to have fundraisers all the time. Okay. Yeah, it's just another fundraiser on the go now, which is difficult this year because normally we have, you know, like up to a few hundred people coming mm -hmm. to pay for hiking on a specific day and pick a community to do it in. Uh, we had it here in Puchkov 
I don't know how long, five, six years ago, when we opened the uh, Cape St. Francis Trail. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, the community provided soup and sandwiches and music, and uh, yeah. we had about 300 people. Nice. But it was so funny because uh, we, I had figured, okay, it takes people usually four hours to go up to Cape St. Francis and I'm back on the dirt road one hour. Unfortunately, it was a rainy day, and everybody was going really fast, so the soup wasn't ready when they oh, came right. back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's so a good scramble, you know. Okay, first you go to, like, the seniors had put uh, a few uh, things into the building so people could look at uh, old pictures. Uh, yeah, first you look at the pictures, and then you come in there, and then you have the soup and the music and all that. That's you know? awesome. Warming but, it up. Yeah, <laughs> but the communities like to do it, too, you know. So Love we that. try to, these, these fundraisers that yeah. usually happen, happening in a community, you know. Yeah, so it is very reliant on the community itself. Yeah, but that's also a good thing. Mm -hmm. I always thought that communities have to buy in, you know. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Yeah. And you were saying something like the maintenance. Of course, the maintenance is going to be huge, you know. Yeah. And we wanted to get a budget for that every year, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. uh, the One of the biggest surprises to me was that the moment people start hiking on a trail, yeah. more people start hiking, suddenly all these roots come up. On the trees. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I've seen lots this of roots. In a, a year or two, suddenly, oh, there were no roots before. It's just, they come up. Hmm. And uh, I remember the, uh, of course, our favorite thing to do is to have stones. Stones don't uh, deteriorate, right? Yes. But of course, the uh, wooden steps deteriorate. And yeah. we try to get the really the best wood we could get in the beginning. I yeah. remember that. But uh, even that deteriorates, yeah, you know. Twenty years, twenty-five years. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so that's uh, you know, you always it has to be kept up. Yeah, I was uh, in Blackhead the other day, and to see somebody must have taken a big crowbar or something to move those rocks to make a huge oh, stairway. Like they were amazing. Yeah. At one time, we had fishermen working for us. I thought that was so great. The, they were paid for five years, of course, not to fish. Yeah. And uh, I think they. Were, when we first got money from the government, yeah, uh, it sounded like a lot of money, but basically they were topping off the the uh, unemployment. Right. 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 And they were such great people working for us. Mm. They really were, and uh, they were enthusiastic, and they were carrying all these stones. And even in the worst weather, they wouldn't stop. <laughs> and I had for a while on weekends. Um, basically, officially, we were not doing anything up here, but they had some run out of work, and it was still winter. Yeah. And uh, they asked me, around, well, is there something they want, you want them to do here? And said, so, no, the trail to Cripple Cove, we should try to improve it a little bit because yeah. it's quite difficult to find. Yeah. And I actually got lost one time on that trail. So um, that sticks with you. I don't like <laughs> to be lost. lost. If you lost up here and it's a, you know, not a sunny day, yes. you know, well, not, not a good feeling. Anyway, so uh, they actually, I offered that they could stay here overnight. Yeah. And uh, so some of the group would come here on the weekend, basically stay here overnight and uh, then we would go out and, and work on that and they were enthusiastic they really loved to work there I love that and I remember uh, one young woman or well, she was maybe 30 or something but uh, I had a dog and when they came back from their work she asked me well can I walk your dog I said sure go ahead you know so she would walk the dog for an hour afterwards and I asked her well how come I mean you're outside all day and and you're still walking with the dog she said she used to work in the fish plant Ah. And all day long she would do the same movements and what saved her was walking in the evening. Ah. So she still had that kind of feeling that she needs to walk in the evening. Well, that's a good message for everybody sitting at a desk all day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I, I finally I said, Oh yeah, I mean this is this makes sense, you yeah. know. 
Yes, which is I mean, uh, the fish playing was probably not the easiest job, you know, yeah. just uh, doing the same movements all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah that's what the, the saying I heard one time is we're called homo erectus, not homo, sit down all day long and type. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's great. Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was another revelation that I had never thought of. You yeah. Know? yeah, you know, this is, of course, it's a nice kind of Way in of contrast, you know, yeah. Well, do you want to go down to, uh, down to the water for a quick walk? We didn't touch on one area that I sure. was of concern with to begin with. It is the economic uh, possibilities that the East Coast Trail is bringing mm -hmm. to communities. And that was important to me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I could see that. A lot of my friends were academics that liked to hike. And basically, I was that too. But I had also done uh, training and a bit of a career in business before. Mm -hmm. And I was concerned about the future here. Yeah. Okay, so I, I saw economic possibilities. Yeah. I brought over a woman from Germany who had uh, managed to have farmers work together. She gave us a couple of talks. Uh, in the north of Germany, uh, everybody like here was for themselves, but mm. she created uh, hikes, uh, or you could take a bicycle or a horse, or you could hike from farm to farm. Yeah. And uh, they call them hay hotels. You could sleep in the hay, right? But they would give you breakfast and a shower. Oh, that's nice. And if they brought a horse, the horse would be fed. Yeah. You know, often by bicycle. So it was a really good program, and it took on, you know, became quite successful. Yes. So I can say, how can we do that here? You know, we don't have these farms here, but uh, but we sort of did that a little bit with my partners, and I had several different partners over the years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, people that I can rely on, and we work very well together. Yeah. So let's say I have uh, my guests for about hikers for four days, and then they go over to the next place. Mm -hmm. And uh, so while they are hiking, we will transfer the luggage already. Right. And the next people will pick them up at the end of the hike. Right. Right. It's really well. Well, it's funny. You said, you know, people at first thought you had to have the amusement park to draw people in. But I feel like the charm is, is in the outdoor communities and in the rural side of Newfoundland because that's the unique side for people. Yeah. And what we have, like, luckily, are some different partners. Every, every experience is different. Mm -hmm. You know, every community is different. Right. So I'm more like, okay, yeah, I'm European, but I sort of fit in and I make sure that they meet some people here in the area. Yeah. And uh, the next one is actually uh, a grandmother. And she brings in her grandchildren at times, and so you have a real family yeah. feeling when you stay with her. And uh, the grandchildren also help with the uh, driving, and uh, and the last people now we have in Port Curvan, they are a couple that is really quite fun. I mean, they do music, they do you know, and yeah. uh, obviously everybody takes care of their hikers, but there's also the entertainment mm -hmm. and, and uh, the conversations that you have. Yeah. So Elka, thank you so much for taking the time today to. Walk me through the history of the East Coast Trail and your beautiful property up here at Points East. Yeah, it was fun talking to you. Uh, thanks. <laughs> it was a real treat to spend the morning with Elka hearing about her love for hiking in the outdoors. It was also amazing to learn how her and a handful of others had the vision to see the opportunities for ecotourism here at home. Through their hard work and commitment, they've not only made Newfoundland a destination for hikers from around the world, but they've helped open our eyes to the beauty that surrounds us every day. If you're like me and you've been enjoying the trails this summer and want to contribute to their upkeep or volunteer your time, you can reach out to the East Coast Trail Association on their website at eastcoasttrail.com. Or if you or any of your future visitors are looking for a hiking trip you'll always remember, 
then reach out to Elka at Point Seeds Guest House in Pooch Cove. You won't regret it. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Happy trails to you until we meet again next week for another episode of the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM.